0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in.
1: Now that is a way to start a sermon. If I don't, if I say so myself, I mean, we love these stories. We love this Star Wars collection because they're not short on characters. The characters jump off the screen to us and we resonate with them. And perhaps you have a favorite character from this collection. Maybe you are Team Han Solo or Obi Wan Kenobi or, or Princess Leia, but I think we can all probably agree that Yoda's where it's at. Um, the wisdom of Yoda try not, do, or do not, there is no try. Try not, do. Or do not. There is no try. See, thank you, Yoda, for that solid piece of leadership wisdom. In fact, that is leadership gold from Yoda because it's so relevant for where we are headed today because what he is saying is that in life you can try and you can have good intentions or you can do. And you can get in the game and you can be involved in what it is that the Lord has for you to do because our good intentions really going to get us where we need To go. No, it takes more than intentions. It takes us doing. And if I want to live a life of significance, I have to start somewhere. And so, as Pastor Nick alluded to already, today's all about discipleship what it means to grow as a disciple and what it means for us to ultimately disciple other people. And we've got to ask ourselves this question if I want to have impact on the lives of other people today, what is it going to take? If I don't want my life to be all about me, but I want my life to be about Others, where do I start? And today's all about seeking to answer those questions. Now this morning, like the bold storyteller George Lucas, I'm going to pull a play from his book and then I'm going to tell you the end of the story and then go backwards. I'm going to tell you why this is important and what it is that we need to be aware of and then ultimately we'll go back and fill in some of the missing pieces. What am I supposed to walk away with today? Spoiler alert, here it is. God wants to use you to disciple other people in their faith journey. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that. God wants to use you. God desires to use you to be a part of a discipleship journey of other people. In fact, you may not realize this right now, but according to Scripture, one of your primary purposes on this earth is to point other people to Jesus Christ and to disciple them in their faith journey. And maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it put that way, and you've thought to yourself, I thought discipleship was just for something like pastors like you, or spiritual giants. How could I be involved in discipleship? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know that the Scripture gives you a job description that you are to go and make disciples? to go and point other people to Jesus and to spur them on to good works, meaning that this isn't something that we passively approach, but rather we're really active. This isn't some passive call, but rather an active call that God has placed in front of us today to know other people, And in turn, to be known. God wants us to spend time with one another. He wants us to be in relationships with others, whether that's small groups or interpersonal relationships, learning about each other. In fact, in the Bible, it even tells us that we are to confess our sins to one another and that we are to let other people know that we're not perfect. And for them to let us know that they are not perfect to encourage one another in the faith, to build each other. God wants you to not only share the good news of Jesus with your friends and neighbors, but then he wants you to walk alongside them on this journey to discipleship. And so this morning, my hope and prayer is that we wouldn't just try, but whether we would say, God, I want to do I want to be involved in what it is that you desire to do in my life here and now in this place. I'm so grateful that you're here with us this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today. And God, I thank you for each and every person that you've assembled in this place today. And I pray that you would move in a powerful way in our midst. I thank you for the first-time guests who are here today. I thank you for the people who invited them to church. I thank you for those that have called Rolling Hills home for many years. And I pray that each and every one of us today would get a deeper vision of what it means to be a disciple maker, someone who points other people to you. We thank you, God, that you're here with us, and we thank you that you are in this place, and that you are meeting us here, that it's not by accident any of us are here. So I pray that we would be strengthened, and that we would walk away today encouraged because of your word. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. So welcome to the second week of our soft opening here at Rolling Hills Community Church, our Nolensville campus. I'm Jason Hale. For those of you who have not had a chance to say hello to yet, and I get the privilege of serving as our campus pastor. And as Pastor Nick said during the welcome, you've also found us at the second week in this continuation of this series called At the Movies. And if you're new to Rolling Hills, you may not understand or realize that part of our story, that we actually spent the first five years as a church, of which we're now 20 years old. We spent the first five years, we were a campus in Franklin, Tennessee, and we We were meeting at the movie theater in Cool Springs. If you've ever gone to watch a movie in the only theater that there is in Cool Springs in Franklin, that's where we did church. And so the smell of buttery popcorn was always wafting through the air during worship. And uh, we were always trying to, you know, kind of scrape up all of the candy and everything that was on the floor so that kids could have a place to do uh, kids ministry. We had volunteers who would have to go through the lobbies and the corridors, you know, turning posters around and putting drapes over posters, you know, things that didn't really scream Jesus. If you, uh, if you know what I mean, praise God, that's not a volunteer role that we have to have anymore. And as we reflected on that season, we thought it would be interesting for us to kind of take a few weeks and to go back to the movies to highlight some incredible stories from movies that we have come to know and love. Because we love these stories because there's so much biblical truth in these stories. Now, I am not advocating that you leave this place and go watch every movie looking for biblical truth. There might be some in Miss King's geniality. I don't know. Uh, You know, I don't don't know if every movie out there has a lot of biblical truth in it. Uh, But today is definitely no exception because in this collection of Star Wars, you're going to see some truths that we resonate with and we resonate with them because they're deeper rooted. They have a deeper purpose. The goal today is not to walk away as experts in Star Wars. In fact, if you walk away today knowing more about Star Wars than you do Jesus, then I have failed you today. So that's not the purpose, but rather we're looking at some of these kind of subconscious things in these stories that inspire us. And so I want to pose a question to you. And the question, simply put, is what person has had the most significant impact on your life? Who is that person that has had a profound impact on you? Have you had a mentor in your life? that guided you through maybe some of the challenges, that helped you understand your purpose, that encouraged you and walked with you in biblical truth, if you have had that person, maybe it's that Obi-Wan Kenobi person in your life, if you have had them, what impact has that made? Are you better because of their influence in your life? So that's the first question. Have you had that? Is there someone that has walked with you, that has encouraged you, that has guided you in your faith journey? So that's category one. The questions that fall in category two is, have you been that for other people? Have you discipled other people? Have you walked with other people and poured into other people's lives? In fact, is your number right now in someone else's phone under a favorites? So that if they're going through something, they know you are someone that they can call. Do you have some numbers stored in your favorites right now where if you knew you were going through a difficult season, that these are people who would pick up the phone if you're the 1% of the population that still answers the phone? You would pick up, they would pick up the phone if your number popped up. Or they would respond to your text because of the relationships that you have, these mentoring relationships. See, if you've answered yes to both of those questions, yes, I have been discipled and I have been mentored, and yes, I have invested in other people's lives. If you've answered yes to both of those questions, my prayer is that you would walk away today with an even bigger vision of what it means to be a disciple maker. But I know in a room this size, full of people, that not everybody can answer yes to those questions. Some of you have never had anybody that have walked you through this faith journey. Some of you have not yet had the opportunity to invest in someone else's life. Maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you don't feel like you know enough. Or maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. And so, if you did not answer yes to both of those questions, or if you didn't answer yes to either of those questions, my prayer is that today would be the day that that part of your story changes and that you would realize the power that God has purposed for you and that you would, in Star Wars language, understand it's your destiny and that we would seek to fulfill that destiny. Now, all over Star Wars is this theme of destiny, and we don't see it worded that way in Scripture particularly, but what is my destiny? Scripture says, what is my purpose? And God gives us marching orders about our purpose. God gives us a real clear vision of the purpose that he has for our life, and he, in fact, equips us and gives us the tools needed to fulfill that purpose. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you're going to see these words appear on the screen. You're going to see some of these printed there for you. Maybe you want to follow along and write down some of these notes and reference it a little bit later on throughout the course of the week. But in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, we get a real clear sense of what our purpose is. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is who you are. Did you know that you are God's royal possession? You are royalty, God's special possession, and you have been called out of darkness. You've been called out of the darkness into light, meaning that through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, you can experience salvation. You can experience freedom from your sin. You don't have to worry about eternal separation from God in hell, but rather you are chosen. You are set apart. And when you realize you were chosen by God, and when you realize that he has an incredible plan for your life that he saves you, that he desires to save you, then our purpose becomes clear that we then are to grow to become more and more like him. And we are to point other people to what it means to have that life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some of us this morning, what I'm saying sounds otherworldly. You're like, "I I can't do that. I don't know how to fulfill that purpose. I don't have anything to offer anybody else. I don't know how to disciple someone else. I don't know how to encourage someone else. I don't even know if I know God's plan for my life. Or maybe you're posing this question to yourself right now. Can God really be trusted? Does God really know what's best for me? Is God really for me like you say he is? I want you to look at this truth this morning, and it's here on the screen. You can follow along there in your worship guides as well. God's purpose for your life, it is not hidden, it is not elusive, and it is not out of reach. God's purpose for your life is not hidden, it's not elusive, and it is not out of reach. It is not hidden, but I didn't say that it was easy either. It's not elusive, but I didn't say it wasn't going to take some work. It's not out of reach, but I didn't say that it wasn't going to require some discipline. God's purpose for you and me, it is not hidden, it is not elusive, it is not out of reach, but do not hear me say this morning that it's easy. This path to follow Jesus is the most life-giving path you can be on, but when we follow him, it means that there are things in our life that we have to leave behind. It's not out of reach, but yet it takes some work. So let's take a look at one of Jesus' stories. One of these parables of Jesus that really helps give us some insight about what God has set us apart for. Because Jesus taught in stories, I said this last week, I think why we love stories is because Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. When he was trying to help people understand a really difficult truth, he would share a story. And they were called parables. And so in Matthew chapter 7, picking up in verse 13 all the way through verse 29, I want you to hear this parable. And this is part of Jesus' longest recorded sermon. It was the Sermon on the Mount, And starting in verse 13, I want you to listen to what it is that Jesus is teaching his followers. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles then i will tell them plainly i never knew you away from me you evildoers therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built this house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So there is so much going on in these verses, starting with this concept of a narrow gate versus a wide gate. And each and every one of us are on a journey right now, and my hope and my prayer is that Christ is the destination, that we're looking at Christ as who is guiding us and leading us. And what Jesus says in his words, not my words, is that the path to follow Jesus is like a funnel that gets more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. And the path of the world is a path that gets wider and wider and wider. He's giving us two pictures here, two visual illustrations, a very narrow gate that leads to life, and a very wide gate, if you will, that leads to destruction. Now, a few minutes ago, I shared with you that God's purpose for you is not elusive, but that it will take some work. See, it requires submission, and it requires a commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him, and interestingly enough, Jesus references that call to discipleship as a narrow gate, which means it's only through The person of Jesus Christ that you and I are made whole. And he encourages us to watch out because there are wolves in sheep clothing that will try to move us away from the narrow path to the wider path. That there are people who might look like they're a sheep, but they're really a wolf. And we're not moving towards Jesus, but we're moving further and further away from Jesus. You may think they are good, but they are not. You might be tempted. You will be tempted to follow the path that everyone else follows. Why? Because everybody else is headed there. It's kind of like if you're stuck in traffic and everybody's going this way, or maybe you get lost in a sea of people and everybody's walking this way. Where do you walk? I just keep walking with everybody else. Although I needed to go that way. I needed to take that exit. I needed to walk through that door, but I don't know really where I'm going, and so I just kind of follow the crowd. I've gotten turned around, and what Jesus is saying is without Christ, apart from Christ, without a commitment to follow Christ, I can actually believe that what's bad is good. I can believe that the wide path is really the path that I should take, but yet when I shore up my connection with Jesus Christ and I commit to follow Jesus Christ, I realize it's a pretty narrow path. And apart from Jesus, I do not know what's best for me. I cannot pursue that calling. Now, at the top of the message, I asked you if you had had that Obi-Wan Kenobi person in your life, that person who has imparted spiritual truth upon you, And I also ask you, have you had that person that you have been able to be invested in? And when I ask you, had you had that person in your life who's been there for you? Likely some of you probably said, yes, I've had that person. And likely some of you probably said, no, I don't have that person in my life. But it was kind of a trick question. I'm sorry. I kind of foiled all of you. Because the reality is, you will be discipled by something or someone. Each and every one of us is a disciple this morning. We're a disciple of something. We're a disciple of someone. The bigger question is, am I a disciple of Jesus or am I a disciple of the world? Because Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 18 says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You have been discipled by something or someone. It's either godly discipleship It's worldly discipleship. Either Jesus is most important to you or money is most important to you. Either being a servant is most important to you or being important is important to you. Either my children, my kids, the next generation falling in love with Jesus is most important to me or them being the best athletes in the world is most important to me. And I'm not saying that money and sports are bad. I like both. Nothing wrong with those things, nothing wrong with influence, nothing wrong with these things. However, the issue becomes when those things are what truly sets our agenda. And when those are most important to us, then in reality, we're being discipled by them. And so what Jesus is doing is he uses this amazing tree analogy to help us see that a good tree bears a good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. If I've been discipled in Christ, then the fruit of my life will be God-honoring. I will, in fact, seek to move away from sin. I'll be generous. I'll seek to put other people first. I'll serve. I'll seek to be patient. I'll seek to be growing in these life-giving fruit of the Spirit to grow in discipline. Whereas if I'm a disciple of the wide path, if I'm a disciple of the really wide gate, then I might act like sinning is okay. And instead of putting guardrails in my life, I just keep following the way of the world. Or maybe I hoard resources instead of being a conduit for resources, or I make life all about me, or, or, or I don't grow in the fruit of the Spirit, and over time, my life looks less and less like Jesus, and more and more like the world. One of the more interesting storylines in Star Wars is, of course, Luke and Anakin Skywalker, and both characters have what's kind of this carbon copy interaction with the Emperor, because both were challenged to follow the Emperor to the dark side, and both were, in fact, told it was their destiny to follow him, and that they needed to fulfill their destiny. And Anakin goes by the way of the dark side, and Luke does not. Spoiler alert, they are related. And so they have the same challenge. They have the same verbiage. In fact, they have some of the same choices that are put in front of them. Who will be your master? Who will be your authority? Who will be the one that you follow? And isn't it interesting that all throughout scripture, we're posed with the same question, God's people have always been posed with this question. Choose this day whom you will serve. Go back to Joshua chapter 24, the Israelites, long before Star Wars was a thing. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, the Israelites had seen the goodness of God. They knew the truth of God. God had provided for them. And in the absence of that connection to God, they walked away from the narrow path and they went to the way of the wide path. Not only have you and I been discipled by something or someone, I also tricked you with that question of, have you ever discipled someone else? It was also a trick question. We have all discipled other people. If we have children, we're discipling them. If we're teachers, we're discipling them. If we have customers, we're discipling them. If we have people of influence, people that we have influence over, we are discipling them. And we're either pointing them to the way of Christ or we're pointing them on that wide path to the way of the world. And here's a cautionary tale for you. And it's a cautionary tale from Scripture. You can become then a master in the wrong things. Seeing that we're all disciples, seeing that we've all been discipled, it's incumbent for us to realize this cautionary tale. You can then become a master in the wrong things. Let's go back to the text in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. See, Jesus says that someone or something will master you. Make sure that it's not the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, but rather ensure that you are a disciple of Christ, not someone who's just playing games, not someone who's just going through the motions, but rather someone who's seeking to be available for God's plans and God's purposes. You and I can become a master in the wrong things. Continue back in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, who built this house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, when you play this out, look at where it leads. If you're an unwise person, according to Jesus's teaching, if you're discipled by the world, then he winnows your life down to a sandcastle on the beach. You ever thought to yourself, I find you a pretty amazing person. Jesus just told me I'm a sandcastle. Some of you are like master sandcastle builders. I love going to the beach, but I hate building sandcastles. Too much time, too much gear and all those kinds of things. But I appreciate those of you who do it. Who are my sandcastle builders? Where are you? Uh, Thank you. I see some of you out there. I appreciate it. I really do because it's amazing. I appreciate that you take all the gear, all the buckets. You do all the walking back and forth to get the water and the sand and get everything wet and all that. kind of. It's amazing. I just choose not to do it. But bless you who do because I like to walk around and look at it. I like to walk around and see your masterpieces. Question, however, I want you to think about the most immaculate sandcastle you have ever built or the most immaculate sandcastle you have ever seen built. How long did that sandcastle stay on the beach? Until the high tide came in or until some wind or until some rain came, which at the beach is pretty frequently. Dare I say there is not a sandcastle that has ever been built on the beach that has stood the test. Of time. It is impossible for a sandcastle to stay upright and secure on the beach. And what Jesus is saying is that if your life is discipled by the world, you can become a master of the world. You then become a master in the wrong things. You think you are winning. You think you're on the right team. You're running up the score, but you're a master in the wrong things. And when the rain comes and the winds pressure you, it falls. I think I'm on the right team, but I'm not. I'm, in fact, a master in the wrong things. I have a nine-year-old daughter who plays basketball, and, um, you know, the scores of the game are usually like, I mean, it's great, it's like eight to seven. It's usually like the final score. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. Well, she uh, likes to play in this sweet little team, and we love to go and support and help coach and all those kinds of things. But inevitably, once a game, it happens every game, once a game, a kid gets the ball, and they start running towards the wrong basket. And they have this breakaway, and they think, nobody is around me. Nobody's around them because they're going the wrong way. And they're going, and they're running, and what is every parent doing? We are acting a fool. We're waving. We're like, no, going the wrong way. She's dribbling, 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 and shoots and scores a basket for the other team. If we're not careful, you and I can do the same thing in life where we score in the wrong basket. And what Jesus is cautioning us against is saying, a true disciple follows the word of God. A true disciple surrounds himself or herself with others who will build them up so that they can live out this faith journey together. So, wherever you are this morning, please realize this. Wherever you are on the discipleship journey, please realize this discipleship is a lifelong process, you never fully arrive. And if you're here and you're saying, man, I have a lot of room to catch up. I don't know what he's talking about. I've never had anybody pour into my life. I've never poured in to anybody else. Is there hope for me? I want you to resoundingly hear yes and amen because discipleship is a lifelong process. You never arrive. Until the Lord calls us home, there is room for us to grow and there are people for us to impact and people for us to change. See, Just as sandcastles don't stay on the beach, Houses with firm foundations do. A firm foundation means that I will remain. So when I build my firm foundation on Christ, no matter what comes in my life, I can withstand the storms. And so today it's about making a choice to be a growing disciple. Today it's about making the choice to say, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Today it's about making a choice to say, I'm going to join a group. Today it's about making the choice to say, I'm going to serve. Today is about making that choice to say, I'm going to spend 10 minutes tomorrow morning in prayer or in God's Word. Or today is the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to go to Target and I'm going to buy a journal. And I'm going to choose tomorrow morning to write down a verse of Scripture and spend just a few minutes writing out a few thoughts on that verse of Scripture. Not just a try, but rather a do. Not just something that I try to do, but rather something I say I'm going to do. One of my favorite quotes from Princess Leia is, good intentions aren't enough. They are not meaningless, but that's where we have to start and not where we end. Isn't that wise? Good intentions aren't enough. Good intentions aren't meaningless, but that's where we start. That's not where we end. See, it takes good intentions to start something, but you and I both know that intentions and intentional living are not the same. (laughs) Intentions and intentional living are not the same thing. So today can be the day, though, that we say, I know this is a lifelong process. So there is no time like the present. There is no time like 9.54 on Sunday, February the 5th, to start this discipleship journey, to grow as a disciple, but also to start discipling others, not just intentions. But I'm going to put this into practice because Matthew 7.27 says, the rain came down The streams rose and the wind blew against that house and it fell with a great crash. Why is discipleship important? Discipleship is is important because rain and wind are promised in our lives. They're not a maybe, they're a definite. What's gonna come in our lives? Storms are gonna come, job losses are gonna come, Sicknesses are going to come. Diagnoses are going to come. Economic downturns are going to come. Pandemics are going to come. Disasters are going to come. And if our life is not built on the firm foundation of Christ, then when those pressures come our way, we give up or we fall apart. And today, as a family, if you're here this morning, your family, and some of you are like, I just walked in, I don't know what kind of family that you tell me that I'm a part of today. Your family here. Your family as a body of Christ. And my hope and prayer is that Rolling Hills Community Church would continue to be a house of prayer and a house of faith and a house of worship and a place where people experience the goodness of God. But I hope that you'll seriously consider where you are on this journey because we need you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have something to offer. You may have never thought you could disciple someone else, but I assure you, you can. There are people in your life right now, they need your number to be bumped up to their favorites so that when they're going through something, they know that you will be there and that you will walk alongside them. Just out of curiosity, um, who thinks it would be really, really cool to make a difference in somebody else's life? Like, my show of hands. I mean, who, who, who thinks it'd be really, really cool? Like, I've lived some life. I've definitely not perfect, but it'd be really, really cool to make a difference in life somebody else. Hold your hands up. Be proud. Be proud. Yeah, we want that. Okay, hands down. Who thinks it'd be really, really cool to have somebody in your life walking with you, helping you, guiding you? Wow, looks like we got some work to do here. Because we all say we want to do it, and most of us also say we need it. And the reality is, what does it mean for us to then put these things into practice? I want us to grasp this because we get to do this amazing thing. This is not a burden. This is not something that we go into begrudgingly, but this is an opportunity that God has opened for us. And as our church grows, and as people come to know Christ, they need to be discipled in the faith. And I believe this with all my heart today, that you truly understand discipleship when you realize you are called to make disciples. That's when we really get it. You truly understand discipleship when you realize I am called to make disciples disciples. Because sometimes we say the word discipleship and we think that means just this heady knowledge and all this weighty information and I've got to be in a Bible study every night of the week and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not just about knowledge, it's rather about putting it into practice. When's the last time you ever understood a game by reading a book about that game? When's the last time you understood a recipe by just reading the recipe? No, you've got to get in there and get your hands involved. And so my hope and my prayer is that we would be passionate, and that we would seek to fulfill what it is that the Lord has on our lives. If you were here last week, one of the things that I asked you to do in preparation for our grand opening services was to pray for five people. Who are those five people in your life right now? Maybe it's neighbors or family members that you're praying for and that you're actively saying, I want to invite them to our grand opening service. I'm going to give you another challenge today. Those five people, it is entirely possible that God has placed some of those people on your life, not just because he wants you to invite them to church, but because he wants you to disciple them. What would it look like for you to take two or three of those people, invite them out to coffee, and say, I want to grow with you. Let's grow together, because I truly understand discipleship when I realize I am called to make disciples. And here at Rolling Hills Community Church, that's what we want to be about loving people, pointing people to that life-giving relationship with Christ. Just this week, I was reading in our daily step, which is our Bible reading plan, and Psalm 78 4 jumped off the page at me. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. See, instead of making it difficult for this next generation to see the truth of God, how about we say, I want to proclaim it boldly, And to help this next generation to see the praiseworthy things of God. That's why I'm so passionate about the next generation. I love the sound of babies at church. I love kids in church. I love middle school and high school students in church. Why? Because it means that we're imparting this truth of the Lord onto the next generation. Yoda says, we are what they grow beyond, and that is the true burden of all masters. We, today, we are what this next generation grows beyond may they be growing further farther more passionately in love with jesus christ than we are and when i look at this next generation and when we look at those around us that are not strong in their faith may we come to grips today here and now that one of our greatest responsibilities that should burden us it's not a burden but it should burden us is to help them realize where they are and how they can grow to what it is that god has called them to be. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is doing here. I'm excited about the people who are here. I'm excited about the people who will come. I'm excited about the leaders in our church. I'm excited about the leaders that will be grown and developed and equipped in the days and weeks and months to come. I'm excited about the people in my life right now, but I'm excited about the people that I will get to know in the future because until the Lord calls us heavenward, we have people around us that we can proclaim the praiseworthy things of God to. And when our life is built upon that firm foundation of Christ, then and only then will we be able to withstand the storms of our life. And we understand our calling. We understand our purpose. So may the love and peace of Christ be with you as you seek to fulfill his
0: Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.